Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Holy Spirit, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you. Holy Spirit, thanks for revealing Jesus to us. Yeah, thanks for showing us what he did on the cross so that we could know the Father. Yet we're thankful that you guys, Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Father, work together so well to bring us into union with you. Yeah, we thank you that us, body, soul and spirit, have been redeemed so that we can be in union with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. And today, God, I ask that you would, yeah, yeah, may the spirit of wisdom and revelation come. Yeah, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, understanding today, God. Yeah, that it wouldn't just be information, cliche phrase, but God, we don't want information. We, we ask that you would open the eyes of our heart, that we would experience something new that you've got for us today. Amen. So good. So good. Um, so we are in the middle, middle, in the middle, in the middle of a pandemic. Well, we're probably not in the middle anymore, are we? Well, we're not. We're probably on the tail end of one. But globally, we're still very much in it. Um, and I've just been thinking about that. And I, I saw the definition of pandemic, and it was um, a disease in brackets, prevalent over a whole country or the whole world. And I was just thinking about my life recently and just the whole pandemic thing. And I've been thinking about other pandemics, not diseases, but other things that are prevalent and taking over the whole world, like um, child sex trafficking, we've started there, um, like child sex trafficking and like all the stuff around that injustice and poverty and all these things that we've been, and this is a real deal and a big deal, what, what we're dealing with now, it's huge and it's, it's true that we have to get all over it. And, and I'm thankful for what the leaders of the country have done for us. It's amazing. We honour them for it because we're in the position we are because of them. Um, but there's other things going on as well. And, and then I was thinking about the church. And I was thinking about my own life. And we can highlight lots of things that are pandemics that are prevalent all over the world. And lately I've been challenged personally about my thinking. And I'm not talking about thinking today. But I've been challenged about my thinking, out-of-control thoughts, negative self-talk. I've been challenged with what am I feeding on? Out-of-control minds, wrong conclusions about other people, about myself, having arguments in my head with other people. I'm not sure if you've ever done this before. I'm not sure if you've... You've ever gone to a meeting and had the conversation in the car before the meeting, predicting, presuming, assuming and speculating about what the other person might say when I say this or what they would say if I said that. I'm not sure if that's you, but I can get there. Negative self-talk, negative outlook, cynical, critical, thinking the worst and the root, entertaining lies about who God is and about what he's done. Prevalent across the whole world. Tempting. This temptation to go down that path of negative outlook, negative thinking. But what's most prevalent, and we're going to look at life and hope and possibilities and who the Lord is today and what he's said, 
but entertaining lies about who God is and what he has done. Wow. And I, and I feel like, I feel that the, all the levels of these things, this, what's prevalent, this thinking, this, this out of control thought sometimes, we spoke about what if our what ifs changed this year, what if our what ifs changed this year in 2021, that hopeful thinking, that full of faith thinking, that joyful thinking, that peace-filled thinking that comes from him and him alone. But I was just thinking about this list of the things that we can be tempted in and get sucked into that are so prevalent across the world. And I feel like there's a couple of things that, a couple of truths, a couple of statements that really cause these things to get out of control if we don't actually address these two things. And when Chris sang that song today, I was like, oh, thanks, Jesus because it just felt so right and so good. Oh, praise the name and the story of the cross and Calvary and what Jesus did and how quickly we can forget. That's why Jesus was an absolute genius and knew what we were like and said, hey, do this in remembrance of me. When you gather, remember me. And we'll do some COVID safe communion really soon, which is going to be great. We've got our worship and communion night on Good Friday Eve, and that's going to be amazing. But these are the two things that I feel are foundations. Foundations are a big deal. That You know that tower, that building in Dubai, houses 30,000 people, 828 metres high. Foundations took a few years. Really big deal, foundations. Really big deal, foundations. 828 metres tall. You go run a K, walk a K, drive a K. You know, it's 100 and whatever it is. I can't do maths that fast, guys. Around 180 odd. Metres off a K. And we talk about foundations. These two things I'm going to mention today are foundational. But I'm going to challenge the thinking, uh, do we really believe this? Because if, if we really get these, everything changes. The foundations of that building, 828 metres tall. You know, the foundations are a big deal in our life. You, you know that there's 192 um, bore piers, steel, concrete, 1.5 metres wide. 192 of them under that building. 1.5 metres, five foot wide, each of them, 50 metres deep. 192 of them. We talk about conch and steel and landscaping and setting up a pool and stuff like that. We're talking about an 828 metre building, 192 bore piers, positionally placed perfectly for the engineering that was done on it and the testing and the soil and the, the years of preparation to build something on. 192, five foot wide, 50 metres deep. It's here to the road, just short of. Can you just think of just one? One's big. 192 of them under that building. Foundations. Preparation. We're believing. God's doing great stuff right now. Right now. We're not having an outcome mindset. He's doing stuff right now. Were we here this morning? (laughs) Isn't that cool? Like the dream, I just want God to pour out his presence and worship. Happened. Cool. Not not in a year. No, no, revival. uh, 
Happened today. <laughs> so good. Who encountered the Lord today? Yeah. Cool. Oh, I just want to encounter the Lord today. Yeah. Woo! Happened today. There's so much good stuff happening. Do we contend? Do we go after? Do we keep pulling on promises? Yeah. Like David did in the Old Testament when he, when he, when he set up a 24-hour worship that God didn't ask him to. God didn't ask him to, but he pulled on promises from another time. He perceived what the heart of the Lord was. And what, what's in the Bible, in Acts, God says, I'm going to rebuild the tabernacle of, not Moses, but God instituted the tabernacle of David. That's so good. So what are we pulling on? What are we believing for? But these two things, foundational. Christ died for you, number one. And number two, Christ died as you. Foundational. Thoughts, facts, truths, scriptures. Christ died for you. We know this. Christ died for you. The Easter story, central to our message, our life. It's the, it's the pivotal turning point in all of history. Everything points to it, past, and everyone points to it, future, back to it. Christ died for you, truth number one. Truth number two, Christ died as you. The second one's a little bit harder to, to get our head around, to get our heart around. Christ died for you, Christ died as you. And our conclusions about both of these things will determine our life. And I feel like the Lord has already started today to highlight some really simple things. You okay? You ready? Oh, man. Christ died for us. Romans 5, some of these scriptures won't be up there because it was a bit of a week. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a week, hey? Who had a bit of a week? Who had a bit of a week? You know what I mean by that, a bit of a week? Yeah. Romans 5, 8. Romans 5, 8. Christ died for us. Yeah, God, we, just, we thank you for this. Yeah, Holy Spirit, get us. But God demonstrates, wow, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So much in that. While we were Still sinners, Christ died for us. Reminder, Jesus came to reveal the Father, one. Jesus came to teach and demonstrate who the Father truly was. Hey guys, this is who he is. He came to reveal the Father. He came to teach and demonstrate who the Father truly was. And three, Jesus came to make a way for people to fully experience the Father. To reveal the Father, to teach and demonstrate who the Father really was by word and action, and thirdly, to sort out the barrier that was in between you and I so that we can see the Father and experience the Father. We know this, but man, it's important to just remind ourselves. He made a way through his sacrifice. Hey, let's check out Hebrews 10, 19 to 20. And as we read these scriptures that are life and spirit, let them hit your heart. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have... Confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. 
by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. A new and living way was opened for us through his body. Christ died for us. Foundation one, beaten, whipped and crucified, Christ died for you. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God, he made him who knew no sin to be sin. I'm going to read that again. God, the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin, not take on sin, but be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died for us. Jesus became sin. So us freely accessing and truly experiencing God required a new and living way to be opened up for us so that we could enter through. That's why worship's possible today. It's why presence is possible today. It's why miracles are possible today. It's why the the hope, peace, joy-filled life is possible today. Christ died for you. There was a blockage and sin was the blockage and Jesus sorted out the blockage. Christ died for you when you couldn't give him anything in return. Car dealers are great people. Real estate agents are great people. But have you ever walked onto a car lot and you're just minding your own business? And, and you get a very good gauge of your love for people when you walk onto a car lot. And you get a really good gauge of when you go for an open for inspection on your love for people, specifically the real estate agent and the car dealer, especially if you just want to go there and you don't want to talk to anyone. I'll buy a car if I want to. I'll buy the house if I want to. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. And, and what happens? Remember, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. There was no agenda with Jesus. There were no strings attached. He died for us and we couldn't do anything in return. When I think about car dealers and real estate agents, and they're great people and they've got a great job. But, hey, I love your shirt. Hey, where where are you from? I'm from Dingley. I used to live in Dingley. Oh, what a coincidence. What street? Oh, so long ago, I can't remember. Great people doing a job, but they're loving you for a reason, for an outcome. Jesus died for you while you were still a sinner, while you were still a sinner, with knowing that he couldn't get anything in return. It's a powerful truth. Christ died for you when you couldn't do a thing. Wow. The level of the sacrifice reveals the level of the value for those he became a sacrifice for. Say that again. The level of the sacrifice reveals the level of the value for those he became a sacrifice for. Jesus proved his love by dying for people who might not receive him. Reckless love. Okay, can we get into a bit of meat? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. 
All right, here we go. Christ died for me. Romans 6, uh-oh. All right, let's go. Romans 6. This is going to be up there, okay? And then I've got a couple of excerpts from this special book. And uh, we are going to go. And this is going to be life-altering. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. Whack it up. Romans 6, 1, 11. Passion Translation. So what do we do then? So, so I'll back up. Last bit of Romans 5. Wow, Romans 5 is an amazing book. Um, I'll back, he, he talks about, they talk about sin and grace and, and one died, uh, one, one sacrifice um, dealt with every, the whole world's sin, every person that was ever born and was going to be born, dealt with it once and for all. And then there's a bit of an argument back and forward, like, what do we do? Like, um, sin abounds, but grace abounds all the more. And then Paul's addressing that now. So do we keep persisting in sin so that grace increases? So that's the question. And he goes, so what do we do then? Do we, oh, yeah. do we persist in sin so that kindness and grace will increase? Because God's so good that when sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We know that's a Bible verse. But Paul's just going a little bit deeper into our thinking and our foundational belief system. Do we persist in sin so that, the, the, that God's kindness and grace will increase? Number, verse 2, what a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man. Man, wow. I'm getting a bit theatrical, aren't I? As a dead man. If I say it louder, it makes more sense. Here, here, watch this. Um, Yeah, I'm doing it. Um, We have died to sin once and for all and as a dead man passes. Okay, now, now, now watch what happens and it feels so much better. We have died once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. I'm going to read that again. Seriously. What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. Wow. So how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Remember, sin separates us. Isaiah 52. Sin separated us from God, but he removed the blockage and it no longer separates us from God. So... How could you remain under its rule any longer? Or have you forgotten? Interesting, Jesus said, remember what I did all the time. Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? Christ died for you, but guess what? Christ died as you. Game changer. Everything changes when we, when we really believe this, that Christ died as us. Sharing in his death, verse 4, by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed, intense, with him, so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. Wow. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. We couldn't be expected to do miracles every day and see the dead raised if we weren't co-resurrected. We've been set up, guys. Verse 5, For since we are permanently grafted into Him to experience a death like His, then we are permanently grafted into Him to experience a resurrection like His and a new life that that imparts. 
Mm. Six. Could it be any clearer? This is the verse, guys. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would, continue, would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Seven, obviously a dead person is incapable of sinning. What a great verse. He's just hitting the point. As uh, obviously a dead person is incapable of sinning as if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one, Jesus, has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished. Death and its power over him is finished. For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all, but he now lives continuously in the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Christ Jesus. Can we just say cheers to that? Wow, let's drink to that. We're talking about laying down your life. It's really easy to lay down your life when you realize you're dead. Like truly knowing that he didn't just die for me, but he died as me. And the the greater revelation and understanding and encounter and experience we have in that truth, the easier it is (laughs) to give him our life because we're already dead. Well, we, Christ died as us, co-crucified, co-buried, and co-resurrected, I'm going to give you some scriptures to back up that statement because it's a big statement, isn't it? So a lot of people don't believe it. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. There we go. That's the, that's the you know, top 10 Christian. That's a very popular scripture. I've been crucified with Christ and I, lo- I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 2.20. You have died with Christ. This is, these are just normal, credible, great translations. Colossians 2.20. You have died with Christ. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Colossians, you've died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. And Paul says, so why do you keep following the rules of the world? 2 Timothy 2.11, 2 Timothy here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we also live with him. If we died with him, we also live with him. And just Romans 6.6 6 again, and we'll keep going. I'll read a couple of excerpts. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body, ru- so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So good. Are you okay? You're being encouraged? Wow. I just want to read, read a little excerpt from this. Is that okay? You ready? 
You can close your eyes or stare at me. That's cool. Whatever helps you encounter him. The work on the cross is not a continual lifelong struggle, nor is it merely the primary, the primary school starting point for the Christian life. It is not just the foundation of the church, but also the ceiling and the capstone, the starting line and the finish mark. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, as well as the creamy center in the middle of it all. Everything in the scriptures points us ultimately to this climactic grand display of the crucifixion of Christ. It is the center of the universe, paramount even to the resurrection, if it were possible to compare the two events, which we can't. What is rarely, if ever, stressed in the reality that you were there with him on the cross, that your death to self is not a separate one from his but rather the two were congruent, unified, mystical reality. You were on the tree with him. You suffered with him and you died with him. Some make the statement, I was like the good thief hanging next to Jesus. I did some naughty things, but he still saved me. You were not the thief hanging next to Jesus. Your death was as much more, it was much more up close and personal than that. You were mystically in Christ hanging on his tree when he died. The same nail that went through his hands went through yours. Your complete merger with God took place on the cross. And thanks to that work, you are now an inseparable entity with him. We can read out 20 scriptures that say we're now one with Christ. Prayers and your own efforts to achieve this unity are unnecessary. Your own efforts to achieve this Unity are unnecessary. Prayers and supplications, um, prayer and supplications to that effect are in vain because the act is done and accomplished. In fact, your efforts to achieve union are a despicable approach that alienate you from grace. Your attempt to approaching God on your own is self righteousness. Wow. This is amazing. This is. Jesus died for us, it's true, but Jesus died as us, it's a big difference. Jesus became sin, it's a big deal, but Jesus became your sin. It's a big difference, it's a personal difference, it's a life-changing difference. I'm just praying through in my head what I'm going to do. Can we get the band up? Everyone, that'd be great, the whole band. It'd be so good if everyone could jump up. Wow, thanks God. Wow. Christ died for me and Christ died as me. All the out-of-control thoughts about me and people, the negative self-talk, the, the, the constant battle in my mind, the constant battle in my mind. If you need to pull that down, do that. Um, the constant battle in my mind, just the, the, the what-ifs, the speculation, the assumption, the, 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 the mistakes, the, the things that I do, the, the, the just... It, like, am I free? 
the, the, the question marks over just feeling a little stuck. Like, do I feel free? Am I feeling confident? Am I feeling fully alive in the things of God? Truths. Do I do I have I encountered? Do I believe that Christ died for me? And have I encountered and believed that Christ died as me? Because so so much so much of the time I really feel like because we ingrained in us is that if someone does something wrong, they're punished. Justice, we're, we're wired for justice. The whole judicial system is based on if you do something wrong, you're punished. Right and wrong, they're foundations. We know right and wrong is good and evil. And something that I have to constantly check with myself is that because of my flaws, insecurities, fears, failures, thought life, Worries, mistakes, sin that I do, not sin that I am. Massive difference. I've got to be really careful that I don't slip back into I deserve punishment. I have to believe that I did and that he dealt with it and that he freed me from it so that the life I now live, I live freely in the Son of God. But if we continue to have a love affair with punishment, then it's going to hold us back from the normal Christian life that He has for us. Christ died for me, but He also died as me. And this whole thing about that I think is still even in revival culture, kingdom culture, what we're going after, this notion that I still deserve punishment when I make mistakes, when I sin. And the notion that I'm making mistakes and sinning because I have a sinful nature. I, may, I, I just can't help it because it's who I am. The, 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 the deep-rooted belief that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And the Lord wants to free us from that wrong thinking. It doesn't excuse us of responsibility. It doesn't excuse us of going on a journey of renewing our mind. It doesn't excuse us of just being loose and who cares. It doesn't excuse any of that. But it's partnering, it's marrying the finished work of the cross with the renewed mind process, which are clearly, beautifully presented in the gospel and the letters to the church, the finished work of the cross and the renewed mind process, that our spirit has been freed and is now perfect and can't be tainted or touched. But our soul, our mind, our intellect, our emotions, our experiences that bring back memories which have triggers attached is the thing that we're really fighting against. The battle is in our mind. The real battle is believing. And the Lord's presenting these two statements, these two truths for us again today. What are you believing about this? That God died for you, but Christ died as you. And it changes everything because we move into the New Testament Scriptures and John writes many times that if you sin, he doesn't talk about when you sin. 
he talks about if you sin. I'm going to read a statement and then we're going to worship Jesus and pray for some people. There's more than one scripture like this, but I really believe that there's people in the room that are still condemning themselves, that are still punishing themselves, that still feel a certain um, area of justice that needs to happen when they make mistakes. There is a massive difference between owning stuff, cleaning up a mess, being responsible, and actually feeling like we need to be punished again and I'm a worm again and I've got to crawl back to you again and you've moved and you've turned your back on me and you've closed your eyes on me and it might be another week until you turn back. It's a massive deal. 1 John 3, 5 to 6, and you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. That's offensive. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. <laughs> I sin all the time, guys. Not on purpose. Hmm. Sometimes with some things. We have we still have the ability to sin. We still have the ability to make mistakes. We still have the ability to disobey God, but we do not have a sinful nature. And I believe that as we go on the journey to fully believe that we were co-buried, co-crucified and co-resurrected and go on a journey to see what he sees and the way that he thinks about sin and death and us and our nature, we actually get to a point of greater encounter greater experience, greater receiving His love, where sin becomes an option. Can we stand on our feet? This is not a sin message. Wow. We're going we're gonna to sing this song again from start to finish. It's not a sin message. It's an understanding what Jesus did message, which changes everything. If we live focused on trying not to sin, we'll manifest sin. If we focus on Jesus, we'll manifest the kingdom. Wow, God. Yeah, thank you that there's an invitation for us to go on this journey of reading Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 in context. Reading the book of 1 John in context. Understanding what you did for us and how you see us, that you see us like Jesus now. You see us through the blood of Jesus, holy and blameless. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you, God. Yeah. I can.